Now we're live. Welcome to episode 122 of the Blue Ribbon Podcast, brought to you by Pittsburgh Power. 122. Hard to believe, isn't it? It is hard to believe. Um, so uh, I heard, I, oh, I, I didn't overhear, I read a conversation happen on Facebook today or this week with uh, someone that was asking questions about leasing on a second truck. Now this context was, he just wanted to have a spare truck. Larry and I've had this conversation where we talked about, well, what would it cost for a truck to just sit for a year and do nothing? And we ran through all of the fixed expenses. Um, and of course, I mean, I, I can't really blame a guy. I don't think right now for, for wanting to have a spare, you know, and, and you can't find parts. Uh, you can't find anybody. You can find a, a pre-emission truck. Right. Put it on as a spare to your emission truck. You can't find anybody worth a damn to work on it. And so the idea of just having a spare truck sitting there is pretty, is pretty tempting. So I think when we did this a couple of years ago, we came up with $8,000. It was about $8,000 in fixed costs. That you know, for, for one of our trucks. Because the, the biggest cost is going to be physical damage. That's the number one cost. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we insure our trucks for 20, 25 grand, as opposed to if you were to buy a new truck or a newer truck, that would be significantly yeah. more than that. So, yeah. So obviously we're talking about a paid for truck that now costs obviously has to be DOT legal. You, it, you have to lease that truck on just the same as you would any other truck, the truck that you leased on. So I figured we would take a minute and kind of go through this, um, to, to clear it up because there's the driver qualification process and there is the truck qualification process. And we always tell everybody that we call it the gauntlet for a reason, because you're, you know, going to be dodging mortars and, um, and, and swimming through sewage and, and, you know, dodging bullets. It's, it's a, it's a process and we've done it. I don't know how many times we, we've probably done it 50 times since I've been here and it never gets easier because Landstar doesn't make it easy. Um, but leasing a truck on, we can do in two days. You know, at this point with the fleet, we just leased on a trailer. And, and that, what was that, about two business days? Mm-hmm. Once you got the, uh, the, the inspection done, 48 was, hours, and it was in the system. I had the paperwork in one day. The ne- end of the next day was in the system. So, But trailers, so, trailers are easier than trucks. I will hand you that. Right. But, but even then, trucks, we're, we're looking two, three days max. Now, again, we know, here's the thing. They're gonna, when you want to put a truck on, you're going to contact a qualification center, and they're going to send you a packet of things to send back in. The compliment that I always get from Jody is that our stuff always comes, it's already ready to go, and there's nothing missing. And we know what's got to be in there. There's even things that aren't in that packet that I know it has to have that we put in there so so they get it in one fell swoop right. unlike the people qualifications <laughs> where we try to send them everything in one fell swoop and they throw it back at us because i only want it linearly yeah um well it's not time for that piece yet i'm like okay but go ahead and have it here right. here have it we'll and we'll lose it if you give it to us so right uh, we'll put it all in one folder and hand it to you no we can't do it that way jody in madisonville is the she's the bomb okay when you're yeah. doing an equipment change, I mean, uh, stuff like that, she's really, really good at it, uh, especially if you're a current BC and you're adding or exchanging equipment. 
um, it's, she's, she's very, 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 very efficient at getting it done. So, okay. So let's break this down. All right. So you're going to lease a piece of equipment on to Landstar. Now, uh, I wanted to ask you this because I was reading people saying that if it's your first extra truck, they won't lease it on unless you have a driver. Do you believe that's true or untrue? It's been so long since that were the case. I do remember back in the day, uh, they didn't want me to have a truck with unassigned. Right. Um, now that was, you know, back then I had one or two, three trucks. I mean, I, I think the least I ever had was four trucks at Landstar ever. Um, but there was a time when there was a lot of, um, concern about having a truck in the system without an assigned driver. Now with 14, we don't get that anymore. And I don't know if it's just because of us or if they, or if that, if that has been relaxed, I will tell you this you'll have to have workers comp on that truck, whether you have a driver in it or not. And I asked that stupid question, well, somebody could get in that truck and drive it and they've got to be covered. I'm like, well, I don't have anybody here. (laughs) How are they going to do that? And part of the qualification for getting a driver on is to provide that. So, well, and that, that provides a good opportunity to remind everyone that the Landstar system is built for one truck, one driver. When you have more than one truck, you are now on an island by yourself with the rest of the lunatics. And I, like, I can't, uh, what I can't remember what is it, Gwen, Gwen Trucking Agent? They have their own little database, right? Where they, several, several of them do, but several of them, but, but, yeah. but Gwen's the most. Okay. Yeah. So Gwen, we will dispatch a load, we'll book a load with them, and then they will forever capture that name of the that first, driver the on first that driver day. whoever drove that truck i just mm-hmm. had it last week and yeah. the they uh, they said oh well i've got driver such and such i'm like that driver worked for us for four days two years ago. ago yeah you know? yeah yeah and and so that creates a, a problem because now look i can't blame them because 90 percent of the people leased a landstar when you lease a truck on the driver's never going to change if the driver goes away, the truck goes the truck away. Goes and vice away. Versa. Yeah. Right. The truck number usually never changes, you know? So we uh, create, so. we create some problems there because they're just not, they just don't know. And so when I call Anstar, I'm like, okay, Hey, my name is Chris. I'm a fleet manager for a 14 truck fleet at Landstar. And I hear him take a breath because they have no idea what's going to come next. And so I start asking questions. Well, they're, well, now are you Richie? No. <laughs> No, Richie's the driver. I'm the fleet manager. And it's just, it's just a nightmare. So anyway, you just have to you just have to accept that you're now abnormal. And if you have more than one truck, it's just an extra step you're always going to have to put in to explain that you have more than one truck. Let me tell you, the, the, when I was at my very first orientation, when I wasn't even a driver, I was a BCO owner. And my first driver with, with Charlie, I was sitting there and, and there was a visitor. I don't know if I ever told you this, Chris, but, um, Alexander was, uh, doing the orientation because they didn't have anybody at the time. And so he was filling in as the orientation, but there was a guest there, Chris Cleveland, who is over, I think all of these orientation centers, part of his job was there as an, it was an observer. Okay. 
So when I'm there and when I'm trying to work out all this fleet stuff, he just looked at me and he said, you know what? You're an anomaly. And it <laughs> has stuck with me. 100%. Yeah. So, you know, that's if you're going to have more than one truck at Landstar, you're going to be an anomaly and you're never going to outlive it. I've been here now 12 years, 13 years, maybe. And every time I, sp- I talk to anybody, I have to, pref- uh, uh, um, I have to preface my conversation with them with what you just said. I am a 13, 14, whatever the number is when you call fleet owner. Mm-hmm. And uh, because they don't, even then, they really don't know. See, there's no, there's no status for fleet owner. I mean, it's, it's just, they don't go, oh, you're fleet, so therefore it must be this. They have, they have, you have to educate whoever you're talking to every time about whatever it is that you're trying to get accomplished because they just don't, uh, they just don't, they, they don't deal with it enough to, uh, to understand it. It's kind of like going down to your DMV. Mm-hmm. And trying to register a commercial vehicle. They don't do it enough oh. to know what you're talking about. So it's uh, it's not much different. So, hey, we got one like up there. We got 24 people watching. We need all 24 you people to be hitting the like button, okay? Yeah. Like and subscribe. We really need you to do that. Okay, if you're going to watch, like us, okay? We like you. You should like us. So, um. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> Okay, so I'm going to try something here and see if it works. Um, I'm going to try to share uh, a window. Okay, I'm going to share this one. Okay, so what – let's let's start with this, and I'll put this on the screen so it'll make it a little easier to, to okay. see. Um, get this off here. Once you get rid of the banners. Yeah. Okay, go. so the first thing is you must have a – uh, pre-lease uh, inspection mm-hmm. from a Landstar uh, approved. approved inspection facility. Yeah. Y'all going to see how bad I typed. <clears throat> um, and uh, yeah, that's here, the first thing. But here's, here's a challenge that we run into with this, okay? Mm-hmm. When you're looking to buy a vehicle, all right, and it's not in the Landstar system, you have the first thing you have to do is get this get this inspection. So if it's not in the Landstar uh, facility, you've got to go outside Landstar and buy some type of insurance to move that truck to get it to inspection. That's yep. not easy to accomplish. Okay, it is not. Most of the insurance companies won't even write it anymore. Um, I actually had to had to go to Oida one time and and buy their expenses as insurance and agree to take it for one year just to get them, them to write me a bobtail policy long enough to get the, the truck moved. So that's going to be a challenge for you. If you're buying a truck that's in the system, it's worth it for you to pay whoever owns the truck to keep it in the system until you actually get it moved. Best case and scenario. That'd be the easiest way to do it. The other way is put it on the hook and tow it to where you want to have it inspected or pay an inspector to go look at it, which we just did. Uh, yeah. Because that's, that's a problem right there is moving the vehicle prior to you having it in the system so anyway well you know some people love hearing our maintenance stories and uh, we've got one from this week because we had this trailer uh setting that needed an inspection and so larry called it was sitting halfway between the petro in jackson uh mississippi and the petro in hammond louisiana both of them landstar approved facilities larry called the petro in jackson first and he could not pay them enough money to have them go down there because 
well, we got to have the computer. I mean, we, we, we got to put that in the computer and we can't detail it without being in front of the computer. So uh, I called, um, I called and spoke to a very nice lady down to Petro and Hammond, Louisiana. And I, I said, here's what I need. Uh, can you do it? And she's like, well, yeah. And I said, well, you know, Petro and Jackson told us that they couldn't do that because they didn't have the computer. And she had some choice words to say about her colleagues and compadres. So anyway, so do I. <clears throat> you have to have the truck inspected. Um, now, once it's in the system, it's insured, it's legal to drive, and everything is good. But from the minute you write the check until it's officially in the Landstar system, you're kind of, you know, you're on shaky ground because you don't have insurance unless you, like Larry said, have gone and bought some sort of policy to try to protect that truck, either through liability or physical damage. And you're probably going to barely get liability if you get anything. Um, so you need a pre-lease inspection. And once you have that and the truck and the truck or trailer has passed the inspection, now let's give them the documents that they're going to have. They're going to, uh, should I assume the next ones are 2290? You'll have to have that. That's that's one of the ones that you'll have to have. Now, that doesn't come in the packet. When I said a while ago that we send things that they don't ask for, that's one of them. Um, now, um, you're, you're also going to have to have the title. It doesn't have to be in your name. has to be signed over to you. So it can still be the title that you got from the guy you bought it from, but it's got to be signed to you. Now, if you are titling a truck individually and you're an LLC with Landstar, then you need to either title it to the land to the LLC, or you have to do a release of revenue. Mm-hmm. So releases a re- revenue from the owner of the truck to whoever's with Landstar. So if you're buying the truck in your name and you're a, uh, an LLC with Landstar, you'll have to release a revenue from you who's on the title to your LLC, which is what the operating company that Landstar has, has leased. It. And the release has to be notarized, correct? That, that must be notarized. That's correctly. That's correct. Okay. What else we got to have? Um, you're going to have to have some applications. One of them's for a plate. If you're going to provide your own plate, you don't. But if you need them to provide a plate, you're going to have to have that. Um, you're going to have to have uh, insurance uh, application for liability insurance or bobtail insurance and for physical damage insurance. And then you're going to have to obviously know the value of it that you want it insured for. Um, understand that insurance in the trucking industry is called stated value insurance. You state the value, you pay the premium based on what you state. That ne- doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to get paid in the event of a loss. They write you a check or whatever. They damn well please. The cash value of the truck at the time of the of the uh, of the uh, the, the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there is a addendum that you have to send in that adds this vehicle to your IOCA, your independent operating op, independent ICOA, independent contractor operating agreement, ICOA. Sorry. Um, so you're going to have to have this um, this addendum adding this vehicle to your lease to Landstar. You don't do a new lease for this equipment. You add it to your existing lease. And whatever the, the terms of your existing lease are will carry forward into this view. So um, you'll have to have that. Um, 
let me think what else. You're going to have to have, um, I said plate, right? I picked the application for plate. Yep. Um, let's see here, Chris. I think that, well, you're going to have to uh, do something about an ELD. You're going to have to um, purchase or register an ELD. If you already have your own, you'll have to bring it over, but you'll have to get an ELD attached to that truck. <clears throat> uh, transponder, if you want a pre-pass transponder, there's an application for that. Uh, you're also going to need to contact uh, no, the prepass is not toll, Chris. That's only that's only way stations. The toll. Oh, I thought, I thought that's what you were talking about. No, no. Easy pass is just for or prepass. I mean, is just for way stations. You get that from Landstar. The tolls you have to get directly from whoever you want to do business with. Yeah. We do business with Best Pass, so you call them and set up your Best Pass um, for that particular vehicle. If that's what you want to do. So. Um, if it's going to go to California, you have to have a carb letter. Uh, if it's exempt from California, then you'll want to sign that, that this vehicle does not, uh, meet compliance and will not be operating in California. Otherwise you've got to provide a picture of the engine plate showing that that engine model came in that year truck. So we don't deal with that because we want to go to California, but that's the, um, that's the requirement. So that should get you, um, I'm just looking to make sure I'm not leaving anything out here. So, you know, we're, 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 we're doing this because I, I know a lot of people, when you, when you, when you qualify yourself and your truck at the same time, you really don't separate them. They just say, go do this and go do that. And then some of it applies to you as the driver and the operator, and some of it applies to the truck. So these are the things that only apply to getting the truck leased into the system. And at some point, once this is approved, then they'll say, hey, here's your truck number. And your truck number is what it is. And you now have a legal, registered, insured, leased on vehicle in the Landstar system, which you can drive or any other person. Uh, really that's either Landstar or Anway or Ranger, whichever one you are, <clears throat> can legally drive that truck. Anway people can drive Anway trucks, Ranger people can drive Ranger trucks, but not vice versa. Um, yeah. uh, and so if you, and I'm assuming that if this is your first time leasing a truck on, then part of this is going to be your driver's qualification. If they're going to force you to um, have a driver in order to do this. Now, I can tell you this, um, my cousin leased a truck on here, uh, right after I did. So probably sometime in 2015 and he had paid his truck off out of a lease. He just wrote him a check and they handed him a title and it was his. Well, he, when he came here, he was very badly needing tires and I'm like, well, hold off cause LCAP, right? Um, but you can't really use LCAP and the loans and all that kind of stuff in the first 90 days. So he called LCAP and he said, Hey, I've got the money to pay for these tires, you know, whatever it was, 3,500 bucks. Um, can I go ahead and order them and I'll just pay you, you know? And they were like, sure. You know, so he sent them the money and they, uh, they did the tire deal. 
Um, so, you know, like we're saying, you're looking at about eight grand. So money always greases the skid. So maybe if you don't have a driver lined up right now, or you want to have a spare truck, if you can prove that you got some money, you might be able to, you might be able to do that, you know, but that comes down to networking and relationships and not storming into a room, demanding things you you know, you use the power of negotiation and say, look, here's what I want to do. And here's the money I've got. And, you know, um, because once we get past this elementary part of this, Larry is going to, um, educate y'all on some stuff that you need to know and you better have in place before you do any of this. So Larry, are you ready to punch everybody in the mouth? <laughs> well, I'm not going to really punch them in the mouth, but you know, the, the, we, 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 we talk about this a lot with our guys, you know, buying a truck besides getting the, the actual physical piece of equipment. Um, there's a lot of things that go along with that, that have responsibilities. And if this is, uh, if you're buying your first truck, it's, you're, you're buying a business, you know, you're the, the, along with the truck comes the, um, obligation of being in business and doing things, um, the way proper businesses do things when you're adding a second truck and you're going to add another driver, the same thing happens. You've, you've now become an employer, no matter how much you don't want that to happen. You are one. Okay. Anytime that you put another driver in, in a truck that belongs to you, you are an employer. And so things change a little bit when you do that, because there are some obligations that you have. So the, the first thing is, you know, uh, of course, you, you, everybody should already have an FEIN because you're in business for yourself. So that's going to already happen. But when you take on an employee, here, here's, what, here's what has to happen. And, and, and the reason that there's so much abuse of the 1099 in this industry is because of this, what I'm getting ready to say right now. Because it's so much easier just to throw keys at them and go, you know what? You do what you want to with this. I'm not going to have anything to do with it because I don't want to be, I don't want to have to be your employer. So I'm going to let you do your thing, thinking that that passes some type of a smell test, which it doesn't. But we'll go along with it right now and say it does. And I'm just going to pay whatever I pay you on a 1099 and that's it. It's all very clean. You're done. You even probably requested to be paid that way. And so this makes this a very easy thing to do. And that's why most people do it that way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to get in tonight into the problems with the 1099 because it's well documented. And if it's not, you can go back and look at our uh, episode called something about pimping yourself or something to that effect. Yeah, don't get pimped. But it will explain to you in depth why that's not in your best interest. And it's not in your best interest as an employer either. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I usually try to speak about things that I'm knowledgeable of, not, not secondhand. And I can tell you right now, I know a lot about this. When I was in the photography business, a, a mall hired me to, run, to, to take Santa pictures or to provide a Santa mm -hmm. and two pictures of kids in a mall. My studio was located in a mall. And so I um, hired some Santas and uh, I'm not in the Santa business. So I hired them all as 10 as 1099s. 
But one of the guys knew more about this than I did. And he went along with it, knowing full well what he was going to do. And as soon as the gig was over, he dropped a dime on the IRS. And I get this letter from the IRS with these 22 questions. And if one of those 22 questions is answered in the opposite way of what it's supposed to be answered, you're not, you no longer are a, um, uh, did you have a, a contractor relationship? You had an employer relationship. And um, so I know what, what it, I know what it's like. I know what happens when, of course, this was just a small part-time job. It wasn't a big deal. But the penalties for this are severe. They are this, okay? I had to pay all of my employment taxes. I had to pay all of their employment taxes and penalties and interest. Now, for me, it was a, it was a holiday season for a half dozen Santas. No biggie. But if somebody, if you do this in this business and you do it for a number of years and somebody decides that they are, are, are upset with you because you didn't do withholding, and they drop a dime on the IRS and the IRS calls you, they're not going to just go after the one guy here. If you have a habit of doing this, they're going to go after everybody you've ever hired. And yep. if that's gone on for a number of years, that can be devastating. And you're going to pay their, your half, their half penalties and interest. And, and besides the, besides the uh, horrible way of treating an employee by forcing them to pay 7.62% of your tax obligation, um, providing them no unemployment benefits. If something happens to you out of your control, like maybe you die tomorrow and he mm -hmm. hadn't, doesn't have a job anymore. Um, you know, this, the thing about hiring employees is that you become an employer. There, there's some responsibility goes with that. There is a, there is a sacred trust that goes on between employee and employer. And just because you want to throw somebody a 1099, that doesn't remove you from that sacred trust. That just makes you look like, um, um, I can't even think of the appropriate word I want to use. A scumbag comes to mind mm -hmm. that you're going to treat your employees that way and then wonder why you can't keep, keep drivers. You know, our program right now works because of a lot of people who have second and third trucks and can't keep drivers because they don't understand how to treat drivers. They don't understand that once you hire another driver and buy another truck, you're no longer in the trucking business. You're in the people business. And um, the reason that we are so successful doing what we do is because we honor that obligation. We, re we, we respect that sacred trust. And we know that people's livelihoods depend on our doing the right thing. And so um, the biggest problem I have with people adding trucks is, is, is trying to uh, sidestep the responsibility of becoming the proper employer. Now, doing it the right way is a lot of trouble and a lot of expense, okay? Yes. Every state that you hire somebody in, you've got to go set up the unemployment and the withholding accounts in that state that they live in. Uh, that can be a lot of work. Opening them is nothing like closing them, by the way. Closing them <laughs> yeah. A few years. All right. Um, you have to, um, you know, you, you have to pay them. You know, you, I can't tell you people have applied for us that worked with other BCOs and they went six, seven weeks or never got paid, you know? Yep. 
Um, they, they didn't get paid because the truck blew a tire and they had to fix the tire instead of paying the driver and on and on and on and on and on. People that work for you want to get paid. You know, they want to do the work and they want to get paid. Um, not having a contract, not having an employment agreement. Everybody that comes here has a multiple page employment agreement, which says in black and white what I'm going to do, what you're going to do. OK, it's not up to up to, uh, you know, discussion. It, it, it's, it's laid out up front exactly what our relationship is going to be. Uh, now, that holds you accountable. You know, if you're if you just want to throw keys at somebody and make a little money off a second truck, the last thing you want to be is being held accountable. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that buying a second truck is a lot like buying a first truck, except that now you have somebody else's uh, a livelihood that is in your hands and 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 you have the obligation to honor that that rela- that relationship and to, and to honor that trust and it's something that you shouldn't take if you're not interested in being in the people business don't buy a second truck you mm-hmm. know certainly don't hire anybody to drive it um and that's the um you know that's the hitting in the mouth he wanted me to give you um you know the other thing is if you've got a truck that's that that that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't have air conditioner or whatever. You've got to fix that. Okay. You can't just, you can't just, I had a guy call me this week. He's been driving for a BCO for less than two weeks and he wants to come here. And the reason why is because the guy will not fix anything wrong with the truck and the truck is illegal to drive. Would not pass a, a DOT right now if it had to. And, uh, and the guy won't fix it at all. So if that's the way you're going to be, just don't do it. Just, Right. There's, there's no reason to do it. You know, just be a derelict for you. Don't be a derelict and involve other people. One of the one of the things that was kind of hard for me to get used to when I first came off the road and to become a full time fleet manager, um, I felt a, a a certain level of stress that as a dispatcher, as the guy that's picking the loads, like it's 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 on me their paycheck, like their, their livelihood depends on me picking good loads, picking loads that they can do, getting the most money that I can get. But then I also had to come to terms with it, with the fact that if they screw it up, if they don't trip plan it right, if they don't run it right, well, that's not on me. And so I kind of had to get used to, uh, cause I want everybody to make the absolute maximum that they can make. Um, cause that's, that was my motivation when I was in a truck. Um, but knowing that their, their wives and their kids and their child support payments and their, you know, everything that they have to do is I feel that responsibility. And if you can't handle, um, shouldering the responsibility of having an employee and making sure that they get paid before you do, because that's, that's the one thing about this program, drivers can't lose money. You know, because they, they get paid first on a percentage of the freight bill, um, before anything else. And, um, and so there's never a question on Friday morning, unless the rare clerical error or something, but, or they don't turn in their paperwork or that. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. the most common clerical error <laughs> yeah. is not transflowing into paperwork. Right. <clears throat> um, but it's, 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 you know, we, we teach them, for example, we have uh, two policies. One of them 
is that you scan your paperwork immediately. You receive it from the consignee. You write the trip trailer and truck on it and you scan it right then. Now that is a company policy, but it's also a good habit that you need to have so you can get paid because everybody likes to get paid. Well, if you don't scan the paperwork and you toss it up on the dash and you forget about it, or it winds its way back into the sleeper somehow, and you find it three weeks later, or in my case, you drive off without it. Cause I, I did that it, once. It won't be three weeks later before you found out that you didn't scan right. it. Okay. <laughs> right. So you have to have all those habits in place. We tell them with fuel receipts, scan it before you leave the fuel island. Don't throw it on the dash. Don't put it in your pocket. Don't set it anywhere because if you forget on Sunday, you're going to get a text message that you have a missing fuel receipt. Um, but those are habits. They're, they're, they're number one. They're a management tool to help us with a 14 truck fleet. But it's also a habit that you need to create because if you're a business owner, you need to be doing that anyway. Well, if you're going to have a second truck, you're going to have some hours in every week in doing your accounting properly with QuickBooks or, or, uh, well, what's it called? Double entry. You know, you're going to do proper accounting or you're going to hire somebody to do it for you at that expense. You're going to need a payroll company. Because I, I mean, I see what our payroll company does and I cannot imagine trying to do that in house. That would be the seventh rung on the levels of hell. Um, <laughs> ain't no way. They'll gladly pay them whatever that costs. Um, I mean, hell I'm, I've got payroll set up for myself right now. You know, I've got a little LLC set up on the side. And I pay myself a little salary, but there's no way that I'm going to try to take that money and, and when I can for 50 bucks, I think it's $50 a month, hand that off to the payroll company and let them deal with it. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is for that same 50, for, let's just talk about, it. we, we have about 17 employees. Okay. So every week they got to get paid. All right. Yeah. Then every quarter there's got to be, returns filed in every state that everybody we hire from lives. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now with 17 employees, we have probably 12, 13 states. Okay. Maybe yeah. 14. So that means that every quarter, uh, and some of them are monthly, by the way, uh, we have to, we have to do a report in every one of those states. All right. Plus the 940, 941, it goes to federal government. All right. So, Again, for that, I pay about 90 bucks a week for 17 employees. It's going to change a couple of bucks every time you, you, um, you know, you hire more, hire less, something like that. But all those reports are filed. Although setting up all those accounts in those states where you hire people, I don't do that. They do right. that. Okay. So uh, the W-2s at the end of the year, the 1099s for our outside vendors at the end of the year, our truck owners, all that's done, okay? And I don't, ha and I know it's done properly, and I know it's done on time, and I know it's, it's, I know it's done, and I know I don't have to do it. So, and, uh, and that's what they do. They're very, that's, uh, if you hire a professional payroll service, that's what they do. Let me back up and talk about the, let's talk about the reason people buy trucks, second, third trucks, okay? Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the first thing that happens is you get your truck, you get things going real good. Things are moving along. You're making money, or at least you think you are. 
and and you think, man, because this is how I, this is how I started. Of course, now I'm a serial entrepreneur, so it, it didn't happen, but it took about six months for me to start thinking this. But you start seeing what you're making in your truck, and you think, man, if I had a second one of these, mm-hmm. what I'd be making? I'd be making twice as much money. Okay. Well, first of all, that ain't never going to happen. Okay. It won't how even did, make. How long did it take you to hire yourself? Um. Let me think. 78 to 2018. <laughs> How long did that take? Yeah. So, um, you know, so it, it, whatever you think you're going to make, uh, cut it in half and whatever you think the expenses are going to be double them. And that might be close to what you're actually going to get. Uh, adding a second time because nobody is going to drive it like you will. Nobody is going to, um, treat it like you will. Nobody's going to do anything to it like you will. So if you think that adding a second truck is going to double your income or even half your income of that truck, you're probably wrong. Uh, if you're going to go out and finance that truck, that's a disaster. Okay. Oh, that's a disaster. big time. I wouldn't, I, first of all, I wouldn't, we don't recommend you buy, you buy a truck for yourself without paying cash. I certainly would not go into debt to buy a second truck. Absolutely no way on earth would I do that. And just for the record, let's go ahead and say, do not take out a loan on your 401k. Do not take out a second mortgage. Whatever stupid idea that you've come up with as a way to acquire the second truck, please just don't do it. Um, no, because you're, it, you're, it, it, this is a, especially right now, now, now in 2019, 2020, 2021, I don't know, probably a lot of people did it. A lot of people did it and, and it worked for them for mm-hmm. a while. The yeah. problem with that now though, is that that business model will no longer support because we don't have the rates and we don't have the, the fuel costs is, is, is too expensive and the capacity has gone down. Um, there's like, uh, th- during the peak of 2021, there were 10 to 11,000 new, um, authorities per month granted by the federal government. Right now we're closing them at a rate of eight to 9,000 a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, when you came up with this topic for tonight, my first thought was, well, my advice would be to not do it period. Okay. This is not the time to add a second truck. Um, now if you've got cash money and you've, here's the other problem you're going to have is where are you going to find your drivers? Okay. Now here's the one I always get. Yeah, but I've got, I've got a good friend or I've got a brother-in-law. I've got somebody that's, that's, uh, that that I know that's going to drive for me. Well, the, the best way I know of to screw up that relationship is to hire your friend. The best way I know of to screw up your family is to hire your family member. And, and whoever this is that you think is going to drive for you, you're going to be very disappointed when they leave you for somebody else that's paying them a quarter more on the mile. Mm-hmm. And now your truck's sitting there. You, you did this. You made this decision based on this guaranteed driver that you think you've got. And then you till you don't. And now the truck sits there for months while you're trying to find another driver. And um, listen, we do a pod. We do. We do. We, we've done 122 podcasts. And uh you know, that supplies us a pretty steady uh, flow of applications. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for applications? Okay. Right. They ain't selling you hours. And, uh, you know, Schneider and Swift are not going to quit recruiting. So how do you think you're going to get somebody to come work for you um, as opposed to those guys? So 
just some things to think about. It's not what you think it's going to be. I'm not trying to talk you out of it for competition. Come on, bring it on. Okay. We weren't worried about that, but I'm just telling you that it is a, um, it is a big responsibility. It is a massive risk to take. Um, the, the way to minimize it is to go buy a truck that you can pay cash for. And even then I, and, and finding drivers right now is just so difficult. Um, you know, even, even for us, I mean, we, we have, we have lots of people to choose from, but we'll talk to 20 of them and maybe, maybe even offer one of them, you know? So it's, you know, if, if you're going to be at Landstar, first of all, 10 out of the 20 aren't going to qualify. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, uh, it's not going to be as easy as you think. And we just want and the reason that we are doing the program we're doing right now with other people's trucks is because of this. All right. Our advantage, our strategic advantage is that we have drivers and we need trucks. Um, other people buy a truck or have a truck and don't have a driver. So, um, that's why this partnership works so good for us. But, um, before you get any big ideas, we're not going to let you go buy a truck and put it on here. That's not going to happen. Okay. So, uh, it's gotta be a certain truck and it's certainly gotta be paid for. And it's gotta be a relationship that you have with us. That is, uh, as, as important as the relationship that we have with the driver. So, well, you know, everybody is, everybody is comfortable with what they do on their own. Everybody feels like, you know, you know, well, I'm, I'm doing a good job. Right. And <laughs> I'm not shocked by it anymore, but there's been a few, a handful of times here where we will run people through the interview process. We will bring them to West Virginia and spend three days talking and talking and talking and talking and explaining and breaking down and, and, and they'll quit after a week. Just, and I'm like, how, you know, that's cause you're such a hard ass. That's why. Right. But he's like, he's like the, the Marine, the Marine DI. Except <laughs> you can't, you can't quit off Paris Island. Okay. So, but it always seems like with the ones that go the quickest, well, I just, I, I just didn't realize. Yeah. You mean, you mean in that three days we spent with you and talking eight, 10, 12 hours a day that I, that's just always, you know, it's just interesting to me, but you got to understand if you are driving, if you're a BCO right now and you're moderately successful and you're thinking about adding a second truck and you feel like, well, Hey, I'm not like those other guys. I'm going to do everything. Let me promise you that somebody is going to come in, work for you a week, destroy your truck and then leave and leave it sitting up in Iowa somewhere in cornfield. <clears throat> yeah. Or they're going to lay it over and total it, uh, or, you and know, blow that. through two stop signs with red flashing lights and T-bone a pickup truck. And then there's that, you know, um, and you can end up making zero or you can end up losing $20,000, you know? Uh, well, now let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Because see, we, I'll see a lot of these ads on the Facebook groups for drivers mm. and it's on a 50% of profit split oh, or something, something after the net. Okay. And pay you on PayPal and then pay you on PayPal. Yeah. On oh, hell 50. no. Um, well, let's talk about that. Okay. 
first of all, <clears throat> um, you have no um, self-respect if you're going to work for somebody as a 1099 to begin with. You're just going ahead and saying to yourself, I'm not worth um, the, the money that I'm making, so I'm going to pay you a 7.62% um, commission pimp fee. Um, <laughs> Uh, house fees, strippers have house fees. That's my house fee for allowing me to work for you. I'm going to give you seven, almost 8% of my income. I'm going to give you now I'm going to let you pay me on a number that only you have control of. Okay. Because if you're driving a truck and you're getting paid on net, who's paying? I mean, who, who's the one that's going to control what it costs. All right. Uh, you may, you may buy the fuel. You may buy a tire. You have no idea what the owner of that business is running through as expenses. Okay. One of the benefits of being a business is that you can sort of slide some things through uh, a business as an expense that you can't, if you don't have a business, you know how that works. You're probably doing it yourself. So that, that owner, I promise you is, is, is having some expenses in there that you didn't have any control over and you didn't have any benefit from but you allow yourself to get paid on a percentage of net. And that is, uh, that is completely um, a, 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 a problematic because you don't control it. You know, uh, the only way you want to do this is being paid on a percentage of the gross revenue because you can see, well, providing that you're getting the freight bills and the emails, that's the only thing you can look at and go, okay, I know what this truck is making and it's not your truck to begin with. So you shouldn't be paying. It's, it's quite, it actually, actually it's illegal for an employer to take expenses out of your check. Okay. Uh, every state in the union has labor laws that would prevent that. So, um, so you're, you shouldn't be paying the expenses anyway, if you don't own the truck. All right. Uh, and then all these crazy cockamamie workarounds like, well, you're actually leasing the truck and, you know, show me a lease document. Okay. Prepare that for me. Show that for me, to me. Um, it, it, it's just, again, it's just a shortcut way of getting you to work for less than what you should be working for. Uh, if you, you wouldn't take a job with any, any company, any legitimate company and work under those pretenses. But yeah, you come to Landstar and work for some BCO and do it that way. And it, it just completely, completely makes, I, I, makes my head explode. You're, you're, you're good enough to qualify at Landstar, but you come work for some deadbeat BCO who won't pay you, who takes stuff out of your check that, that, that is not even legal. Um, you, you, you should be paid on a W-2 and have your taxes withheld and they're not doing it. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. And why Landstar allows it, it's beyond me. I cannot even fathom why they don't um, require, you know, I, I had drivers at another carrier before I came to Landstar, and they made me prove to them that they were W-2 employees. They made me prove to them that I had all the workers' comp and everything lined up for them. You know, it's part of my master contractor agreement is that I had to prove all that stuff. But yeah, you come here, you can be a deadbeat dad and get away with it. Nobody's here to, <laughs> to, um, to enforce that. What's Purple Yeti got? <clears throat> uh, well, I want to go back one more. Um, 
Double T Trucking Hard says you need to show a photo of an engine plate if carb. Uh, we don't do that um, because we just tell them we're not going to California. We sign the paper. Uh, they used to do that, and they may do still with some people. Um, you do if you don't sign that paper. You do have to have that. Okay, we don't go to California, so we don't do it. Uh, the one truck that we have to go to California, the plate was already on file because I took that from another BCO. So right. if you if you've got a twenty, uh, if you're going to go to California. Okay, and you've got a what's that got to be now? Oh, nine, Chris. Uh, ten, I think now. Well, whatever. Then you're going to have to have a picture of the engine plate, and it that VIN number's got to be, or that engine plate's got to be correct to that truck. In other words, you can't take a truck out there with an illegal engine, right? right? So, uh, and you got you have to have, you have to take a picture of that plate and send it in with your qualifications. So. Purple Yeti. Question, guys. I'm getting a truck here in about six months or so. Should I trade out the duels for Michelin X1 Super Singles or just get the Energy D2 duels right away? Um, if you have the means to go ahead and change, I would go ahead and change uh, at the beginning because, uh, I mean, you could do the Energy duels. We, we did Energy duels one time and then traded them in immediately on a set of singles. Um, your rather than leave junk tires on there, um, you know, if if your only choice is to get good low rolling resistance duels, <clears throat> I would do that over leaving junk tires on there because you're going to spend a lot of money and fuel with junk tires versus going for the good tires. Um, <clears throat> I despise duels personally. I'll never own a truck that has duels on it um, because I put a set of crossfires on rocky's truck and after the busted knuckles and I, no I, I and and i would never put a driver in a truck with duels because there there is a uh 99.987 percent chance they're never going to check the tire pressure on the inside duel and the tires are going to get ruined and so having a set of singles takes four tires uh away from a driver and giving them the opportunity to ruin them I've got one sitting right in front of my house right now that's got an absolutely bald tire on it that should have 14 to 16, 30 seconds on it. It's what it should have because the tire beside it's 14, 30 seconds. Uh, but the lazy individual that was in that truck didn't check the inside tire pressure and ruined it. And now you got to buy two, not just one. If you're going to drive this truck yourself um, and you um... – and you've got aluminum wheels on the one you have right now, you can sell those um, wheels for more than what you'll pay for used uh, wide-base single wheels. Yeah. And then the singles are not any more expensive than two duels. So you actually can do it for less money than doing the duels because the, um, you know, the, the, the one, one single is cheaper than two, dual, two tires, and the we used wheel is cheaper than what you'll get back in credit for the use wheels so yeah. if you if you don't really understand that reach out to us and we'll we'll give you some help there but uh so you know again you're dealing with regular truck drivers here and there's a lot of people out there taking singles off because they don't like them and so it's not hard to find used single wheels and there's a demand for used good aluminum dual wheels so uh i would definitely if you're going to change I, and you're going to think about changing the duals 
um, emission duels, I'd go ahead and do the singles. You know, there is a better, the, the single is slightly better roller resistance. So it's actually going to give you better fuel mileage and the maintenance is a lot better and everything that. Uh, and yes, if you are going to run duels, absolutely run cat size. And even with cat size, run a tire pressure monitoring system. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's a no brainer, but you know, again, my preference would be, and his preference because I've made him do it. Now he understands it is that the singles are by far the better way to go. So, and now, if you, now, now all singles aren't created equal. So if right. you're going to do this, don't go out and get grips or don't get some odd ass, you know, tread design. Get the uh, Line X Energy D. I think it's D plus now, uh, but but get the best. Get that roll, best roll resistance tire. Uh, do not. And a lot of these tire stores don't even understand that a grip is a it, the grip is the old XD into. It's an it's basically right. a traction tire, you know, an off road kind of an op application. It's not really what you, you definitely don't want that on over the road truck, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, because so, I got I got one of those in a. Uh, I was calling looking for. I said I need a. 445.50.22.5 Michelin X-Line Energy D drive. I'll go to grip. No, it's not what I said. Um, because it's open shoulder and it's much lower rolling resistance. It's not as, I mean, it, it just because it says Michelin X1 line on it doesn't mean it is the appropriate tire. Be sure and get the Line X Energy D plus. Okay. That's the tire you want. So. Um, but yes, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about, uh, success in business is all about managing risk, um, in everything that you do, having payroll manages risks, having a payroll company manages risk, not paying people on a 1099 manages risk, um, you have to have all of that stuff in place with your truck. If you are, um, running your truck properly, then yeah, you can duplicate that model and hope that you can find a good driver. But if you are not doing proper accounting with your truck, um, uh, if you're making more than $65,000 a year and you don't have an LLC was set up with an escort, you probably need to get that done because you'll, You'll need to have that uh, with your uh, with your payroll anyway, you know. So there's a lot of stuff you it's, but it's not just hey man, I got a truck, I'm gonna go buy another truck, and everything's gonna be great. That's absolutely 100% not the case. You cannot just buy another truck without having all of your ducks in a row with the truck that you currently are operating, and you know. If if you if you're if you're not running on all cylinders right, if you don't have your ducks completely in a row, you've got an accounting system. You you can prove that you're making a profit, and a good profit. Then there's not any way I would even consider doing this. It, it is is not going to make you more money if you're not running a completely 100 percent efficient operation in your own operation right now. If it can be improved whatsoever, work on it. Don't work on adding more trucks to your system, to your, to your fleet, uh, or a second truck period. Uh, because it is, um, uh, it, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a multiplier. You know, if everything's good, it multiplies it good. If everything's not so good, it multiplies it not so good. And if everything's bad, it's going to multiply it bad. So it's, um, 
it, it's it, it it's just like people talk about if I had more money, I could manage it better. And that's never the case. Mm-hmm. Having more trucks doesn't make you manage it better. It's horribly uh, the opposite way, you know, and now you've got somebody else involved here. Um, and uh, it, it's just it's just a bad idea. And and yep. now it's not the time to do it anyway. I mean, by God, t- truck prices are still completely out of sight, you know, Um uh, you know, and, and, and you're, it's going to get harder and harder to make a profit. Uh, if you can't manage, uh, your fuel cost and you can't manage your cost per mile. So part of this adding a new truck is you're going to have to train a driver. It's what we do every day. So we train 14 drivers on how to become BCOs. Over. If you want that truck over. to make any money, you're going to have to do the same thing. You have to pass all of your knowledge and all of your expertise onto this other person. If you expect that truck to do half as good as you think it's going to get is you're just going to have to understand that they're company drivers. They're not going to get the fuel mileage you want. They're not going to take care of the truck that you want. If you can't teach them how to become a BCO and leave you in a year or two, you're just going to have another truck driver and who in the hell wants that? You know? So with the exception of our top four or five seasoned drivers that have been in the program the longest, and I'm talking 18 to 24 months, Larry and I can get in any one of these trucks, get better fuel mileage, run more loads, drive more miles, make more money. And I mean, Larry hadn't, you hadn't driven what, two years? Two, be almost three years. Three years is Christmas. But I promise you, now he ain't going to, let's just make that clear on the record. He ain't going to do it. But if he had to, and he had to go jump in the truck today, he would be at the top of the fuel mileage board. He would be top of the load board. Every metric would be at the top because he has the habits of doing it the right way. And I'm and, just that damn good. Right. <laughs> and he's modest too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's because I, you know, it's, it's because I understand what it means, you know? And, um, here's a question. I mean, I'm a BCO just about to pay off my tractor. First truck I'll own. What are considerations for Landstar and which state to title it in, etc.? So you're um, not at land. You're not at Landstar now. No, no, I'm a BCO. BCO just about to pay off my tractor. So he's going to have a paid for clear title. All right, good. What Great. are considerations for Landstar and which state to title it in? So this discussion came up the other day because, like in West Virginia, for example. Um, when I paid my truck off from the lease, um, they wanted to charge me 5% sales tax. And I said, what? I didn't, I didn't buy this truck in West Virginia. And that was three and a half years ago. Oh, well, yeah, you got to pay 5%. So they wanted, of course they were valuing it at like $38,000. They wanted all this money. Well, there are States that don't do that. And I believe Indiana is one of them. Now what Mm -hmm. I ended up doing in West Virginia, if you buy what's called a B plate, a commercial plate for like 500 bucks, they'll waive the tax. Um, but part of that though, is local DMVs who don't understand commercial trucks. Cause in Kentucky, they tried to do that to me. And then I called the state. Um, um, what's the plate that we have? That's 48 state. What's it called? RP. Uh, no, the, the, not a portion a portion uh, i called the state apportioned office and had them call down to the dmv and straighten their asses out 
and then they don't do, then they don't do it anymore. So I wouldn't. I'd, first of all, I'd, I'd, I'd call your state office and make sure that your state um, does or does not charge you the tax. Because in my case, that we don't, I don't pay any tax at all on a commercial vehicle. But the, my local DMV one, every time I buy a truck and go down there, I have to go through the same round. Okay, I mean, I, my wife dreads it when I go down there. I actually went down there and did this and came back and did a DOT, um, a DOT exam and failed it because my blood pressure was like wasn't recordable. Okay, and I said, she said, "What's going on?" So I just came from the courthouse. Well, fuck that. Well, that explains that, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's every time I go down there, you know, it's the same old, same thing over and over again. I finally got one girl down there that, I, that I've done it with now a couple of times, and she now when she comes in the door, she her eyes get kind of big, and I'm like, "Hey, yeah, can I, I want I want you to wait on me?" She's she'd rather run, but at least I'll get her to listen to me, you know. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. What do you mean by what are considerations for Landstar? Help me with that question. So I'm wondering if maybe that's because the title that they first got, like I, like with me, I had a Georgia title in the name of the leasing company. Then the leasing company sends me the title and now I've got to go title it myself in the state of West Virginia. No, I didn't. I didn't actually go retitle it until I sold it after it blew up, but Landstar's really not going to mess with you. Um, uh, if you go, if you take that title that comes from either the leasing company or the bank or whatever, um, you know, it's going to, it's titled pretty much kind of in their name and not your name, especially if it's leased like with Lone Mountain. So you're going to have to get that, that, that thing titled. Well, then you're going to have to say, Hey, Landstar got a new title, you know, uh, but other than that, I don't think there's really a consideration for Landstar. There's just been, I've seen this discussion on Facebook in the last couple of days about toddling it in a certain state, because like you said, they want their pound of flesh. Um, I think the biggest thing that we should talk about here is why are you going to Facebook? That was my where, next question. Where you yeah. have it, you have an 87.352% chance of absolutely being lied to, you know, or trolled. Or gaslit, or made just, fun of, just or harassed, the, or intimidated. The permit department at Landstar, and they will work this out for you. And you can count on what they tell you. He yeah, said, I, "All right, I, so I Hawkeye really says I live in New York State. I didn't know if it should be titled my business name or my name. That's going to be a question for your CPA. My CPA or me? If you're an LLC, you need it to be. It needs to be in your in your LLC's name. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be, but uh, it, they're going to want it that way. So, um, if you're not an LLC, I guess it doesn't matter, but if you're an LLC, it needs to be in your corporation's name. So. Are the rates still good at Landstar? Yes, they are. Um, well, listen, at well, Landstar, what, do you, what do you mean by good? They're well, not 2021, true. but they're still better than they were in 2019. Well, it also depends on what you're talking about rate. When I say rate, what's the rate? I'm talking about total gross revenue. I don't, I don't give a shit what the rate per mile is. Um, so, you know, like on the rare occasion, I'll take a cold call. Hey, I'll have a load for you. I'm going to see if you're in. I said, what's the rate? Oh, it's $4 and 70. No, 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 no. What's the rate? The all in rate. Oh, it's 1,002. No, thank you. Um, cause I'm still looking for $2,000 a day. And in most plate, in most cases, I'm still getting it. Um, 
you know, I, I put some people on some 10, 11, $12,000 weeks this week. Um, is it, you know, I, I changed my minimum where I start. I used to start at 2000. Now I start at 1600 to kind of see what's between 1600 and 2000. And if the, you know, if, if, if the rate's good enough and it's 1650 or 1700 and it gets me moving to the next day, then I'll look for 2300 to make up the difference and usually find it. Um, but I mean, hell, I'll put a team on 15,000 this week. So when I have a, somebody outside Lancer asking me about the rates, here's, here's what I'm thinking. They want to know if there's still $7, $8 a mile freight out there, you know, um, you know, we, we've never gone after that freight. Okay. We, 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 we have a $2,000 a day minimum, $3,000 on the weekends. We never have any problem hitting that. Uh, but our cost per mile is very, very low. So uh, the rate thing is just such a relative thing. I mean, if you have to have $5 a mile to run, to run your truck, no, the rates here at Landstar aren't that good. Uh, but they're not going to be that good anywhere else. I mean, Landstar doesn't set the rates. Rates are set right. by the marketplace. So if the rates are bad here, they're bad everywhere. And so um, I, I don't even know how to answer that question. Well, I, I do, you know, as my, the guy that makes, God, I don't know how many phone calls a day, a bunch of them. I'm probably making 150, let's say 150 phone calls a week, contacts with agents. Um, I, I'm doing more negotiation now than I probably did six months ago. Well, I thought I could get it for 2000, but they only way pay 1800. Okay. Well, you know, I, and I had one the other day, I needed a load. I was in a situation. I needed this load period. And he comes back and he says, um, well, we had, it. I think it was posted for 1800 and he's like, well, they want to pay 1500, but I'm going to try to get 16. And I said, understand me, I will take it at 1500 but get me 1600 if you can. She came back and got me 1575. Okay. Um, so I've had to do more of that in the last few weeks than I did. Um, you know, certainly last year, last year, it was just, everybody had their checkbooks open and I'd call on a load poster for 2000. They'd come back and say, Hey man, I got you 2200. Well, thank you. Awesome. Um, but I'm putting a lot of 16s with 24s to make $4,000 in two days. You know, I'm having to, I'm having to adjust. I'm having to do some deadheads. I'm, I'm having to be very creative in the loads that I pick, but that's the market it has nothing to do with Landstar it has nothing to do with these agents. Um, the freight is the freight is the freight. Um, the market is the market is the market. We're just in a, a part of it, but, um, uh, let's see this guy comments again. Uh, a lot of guys at Landstar are closing up shop. Oh, hell yeah. Because, and this is a mathematical, let me get the BSE 9,000 out. Here it is. This is a mathematical certainty. They bought too much truck. They have too much debt. They have unrealistic expectations. They're not willing to work hard enough to go out and work, you know, seven days if need be. I mean, I've got guys that stay out three and four weeks at a time. And these are young guys without families because they want to make their money and get the hell out. They do not want to be 79 years old, still driving a truck. Um, but yeah, there's people closing up shop because they're coming into this mathematical reality that, oh, well, well the rates let me, let me, let me, let me address that a little bit. Okay. Cause I, this, 
38.7% of people at Landstar close up the shop every year. Okay. It's got nothing to do with the market. It's got nothing to do with the current rates. Okay. 40% of them fail because they don't know how to stay in business. All right. Has nothing to do with anything except their own lack of business experience. There's two numbers they cannot tell you without making it up. And that is their miles per gallon and their cost per mile. So no yes, clue. yes, there's going to be a lot of guys that land start closing. There's a lot of guys that close up every year. 40% of them close up every year. Now, is it just Landstar? No, I just said a while ago, 8,000 on average to 9,000 authorities are being revoked every month. You don't have authority at Landstar. So there's eight or 9,000 owner-operators every month closing up shop right now, and none of them are at Landstar because they don't have authority at Landstar. So it's not, it's not, it's not here. Landstar makes it very difficult for you if you don't understand business because half the people that come to Landstar think they're coming to, to work for another company. I hear them say it. Uh, I haul for this company or well, how's that company treating you or, you know, what, you know, what, what's Landstar going to do? Da, 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 da. That's the reason they failed. It has nothing to do with Landstar. The, listen, there's going to be a lot of people at Landstar fail. There's going to be a lot of people, period, that fail. All right. Uh, we can't change that. Don't want to change it. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry, but if you don't understand how to, lower your cost to, in order to do business, you ought not be in business. You know, these people will be much better off getting closing up shop and going to work for somebody that knows how to run a business. And in this case, it's going to piss all of you off. It's probably a big fleet. They know how to stay in business. Okay. Because they understand that this, this business is based on pennies and most owner operators just walk over pennies and leave them laying everywhere. All right. I'm going to take this one. Royal Rise says on YouTube, what's wrong with working six months out of the year at Landstar at 79, I assume, years old? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, trucking is hard. Trucking is dangerous. I like trucking. I like trucks. I'm a boy. I like trucks. I like the, I like the sound. I like the feel. I like the smell. But I like my wife and kids more than I like trucks. And I would rather be home. I would rather be investing in things outside of trucking. But as we have described through this podcast now through 122 episodes, this is the easiest industry that you can make money in with almost no, well, with no, I mean, no experience and with very little capital expenditure uh relatively speaking to you know going and buying a uh, a mcdonald's you know or a chick-fil-a um you can make a million if you do it right you can make a million dollars in eight to ten years well make a million dollars and get the hell out or stay in as a truck owner or stay in as a fleet manager or a dispatcher or something but let somebody else do the hard dangerous work um, so is there anything wrong with working six months? Out? No, absolutely not. Is there anything wrong with what Larry calls the Landstar retirement plan where you work, you do 1.7 loads a week? No, but only if your house is paid for your trucks paid for your trailers paid for your motorcycles paid for, you've only got one girlfriend or one wife, one bass boat, and it's all paid for then absolutely. But you cannot live this life of luxury um, 
and have all this stuff and be deeply, deeply, deeply in debt. And then when the market corrects, oh my God, I can't believe there's Landstar agents. I'm out of business. It was not the agent's fault. It was your fault, fool. There's nothing wrong with working at Landstar six months a year as you're saying not if that's what you choose to do because that's what you want to do. But if you're working Landstar at 79 because you have to, I have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be in that situation. Um, if you're there now, I mean, I don't know, but maybe the, our, listen, understand, let me, let me restate something here. Our podcast, our market, everything we talk about is directed to the first time owner operator buying the first truck. Everything we talk about here, all of our advice, everything we talk about is based on that right there. You buying your first truck as a first time owner operator. So, I don't think at 79 you're buying your first truck. Probably not. So a lot of the things we talk about don't really apply to you if you're not in that situation. This is probably one of them. There's nothing at all wrong with doing anything at 79. Look, there's people that jump out of airplanes at 79 with a parachute. I wouldn't do it, but that I'm not going to keep you from doing it. But, um, you know, if you're in that situation because you had to be, that's what we're trying to prevent here. That's what we're trying to get other people to not do. When people call me and they're 55 and 60 and 65 and 67 years old, and they realize that there's no way they're going to be able to retire because they didn't do anything to prepare for it until now. That's what we're trying not to have happen here. We're trying to do our best with a podcast for an hour and a half, two hours every weekend. So that if you're in this business, you chose to be in, you don't find yourself in a situation of having to drive a truck when you're 79 years old, unless that's just something you choose to do for the fun of it, but not because it's financially necessary for you to do it. T. Holland says, sounds like guys have poor money management skills. That's 90% of the Western world. Because they're 100% truck driver. Listen, I don't know where I got it. I think my wife sent it to me, but it was this man on the street thing where they're just interviewing random people and asking them questions like who fought in the Civil War. No clue. Name three countries outside other than the U.S. No clue. What state is Utah in? Blank. Right. These are people that at very minimum have to have a high school diploma. And probably some of them have college degrees, but there is some next level stupid uh, and ignorant and just oblivious walking down the street, sharing the highway and the sidewalk with you. Um, that's just, I mean, but they can name all six of the Kardashian sisters like that, <clears throat> you know? So, and that's why we're doing this. And that's why we take so much shit from these, these amoebas, because we're trying to use his 50 years of business success. My 25 years of business experience that I guess you could call it success. Cause I've never killed anybody. I've never set anything on fire and I've never laid one over trucking experience. And that what I said, you said business. Oh, sorry. Trucking my trucking experience, which is the load planning and the, all that stuff but we're trying to get you to understand that there is a way to own a truck, be wildly successful, make a pile of money and do it while managing risk properly. But 
the people that can name all the Kardashians or tell me whatever's happening on Fox News and CNN because they're just so distracted and, 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 and deer in the headlights at this distraction nonsense. Um, when you try to talk a little bit of common sense, like don't go into debt to buy a second truck. Hell, don't go into debt to buy your first truck. Um, save money. Um, have an accounting system. Save your receipts. Like do, do business shit. And they're like, well, you going to do that. And, and everybody got to do it the way Larry does it. And, I, and I'm and I'm going, you know what? You're right. You don't have to do everything the way Larry does it. But I can tell you this. I can promise you this. The way Larry does it works when the market's up here and it works when the market's down here. And then it's still in business. When the market goes back up, it's still there to do it the next time. <clears throat> let me let me say one more thing about that. The, a lot of guys at Landstar are closing up shop. Let me tell you two things that would prevent that. If they were tracking their fuel mileage and did what it took mm -hmm. to improve it, to get it to where they could operate under the fuel surcharge. And if they knew their cost per mile, I yep. promised you that every one of those people you're talking about cannot truthfully answer those two questions. And those two things are what you're talking about in trucking. When you talk about poor money management skills, if you do not know what it costs you to drive your truck, you you can't go to McDonald's and sell a hamburger if you don't know what it costs you to make it. And you certainly can't sell it for less than what you pay, what you're paying to make it. Okay. And the other side of that coin is you can't improve something you don't know. And in right now, if, if you were, if, if fuel is your price, your number one expense, it was last year, it was the year before, it was the year before that, year before that. Um, and you don't know how much you're spending and you don't know how to improve it to get it under control. Every, uh, every one of my trucks this year, this week, except one spent more on, uh, less on fuel than the fuel surcharge was this week. And fuel search, by the way, is down 69 cents. So if, if you don't understand how to do that, that's poor money management skills. All right. And owning a truck, driving a truck is all about managing risk. And that's the why they're, it's not Landstar that they're gone. It's not their rates that they're gone. And I guarantee every one of them you ask, it's somebody else's fault except theirs. But yet they can't answer those two questions. What's your fuel mileage? Not about, oh, when it's when the wind's going this way. And what's it cost you to drive your truck for one mile? I promise you they don't know that. I promise you they don't even care because Chris put a, he Chris poked a few bears last week and mentioned that on the, on the Facebook thing and they attacked him. Well, no, you don't have to know your exact cost per mile. No, you don't have to. Oh, know. yesterday, yesterday I got the one. If you go, if you got to worry about fuel mileage, you're not getting enough rate. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. So no, you don't, you don't have to do anything. All right. But when it comes time to, um, look at yourself in the mirror and go, why is my truck being repossessed and why am I no longer an owner operator? And you don't look at that mirror and say, it's, it's that guy right there's fault instead of the rates or fuel or Biden or Putin or Trump or whoever. Right. Then you're wrong. You're the one that it's fault. You're the one that's at fault. Okay. And until you expect, until you accept that you'll never change. Okay. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the sad truth. Um, and, uh, 
I, you know, nothing I can do about it. I'm looking, I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just trying to change 14 drivers at a time. That's all I'm trying to do. Give 14 people at a time a chance, a fighting chance to come and do this thing and not do it and get in the same situation that 38% of Landstar drivers do and 90% of first time owner operators do. And that's step on their ass. So well, if, if you think about the cost per our cost per miles around a dollar, right? Yeah, a little more, slightly more. Not let's much. say, let, let's just say buck 15. All right. I'm just going to, you know, 115. Okay. You can drive 600 miles a day. That's $690 basically to break even if you drove 600 miles in that day. All right. Um, now that's driver pay included, right? Oh yeah. Okay. That's driver pay included. You need 690 bucks a day. This is why I don't give a rip about rate per mile. I care about cost per mile. I don't care about rate per mile. Because guys will be like, well, I got, I'm not going to haul anything for less than $5 a mile. Okay. And then they get 185 mile load that pays $5 a mile and they think they've done something. Guess what? You didn't cover your minimum cost because you don't know what it is because you're tunnel visioned on rate per mile instead of rate per day, rate per week or rate per month. Okay. So if I, on average, I do a $2,000 day. Uh, let's do that. Uh, so two, that's $1,440 to the truck. You have a $690 cost. You made $750 on top of all of your minimum costs. All of this nonsense of, oh, I don't need to know, but by God, I've been doing this 30 years. I don't need to know my rate per mile or my cost per mile. Then you're going to pass up a bunch of loads that could at least get you to tomorrow. I'm going to sit here until the wheels sink into the asphalt uh, because I'm not moving my truck for more than X rate per mile. It's nonsense. It's stupid. It doesn't mathematically make sense. There's no logic in it. There's no common sense in it. It's just you repeating nonsense, vomiting of the mouth, just, just BS because it makes you feel good and you believe everything you think. But if you know your rate per mile, or your, I'm sorry, if you know your cost per mile, then you can be like, okay, well, I've got to have at least this much every day. Well, guess what you can do? You could pull a thousand dollar load at Landstar and cover your rate per mile at a buck fifteen, which means your business survives another day and you get two hundred miles down the road, three hundred miles down the road, or whatever, and then you get the big, great big load that you've been wanting to get. But, but you have but you'd had to file hire or haul cheap freight that one day, and that just goes against the ego of some of these people that don't understand business. All right. Let that shit settle in the dock. I'd rather drive for free than to take that freight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've, I have booked in the last. There's somebody right days. there. That's somebody right there that does not need to be in business. Okay. No, that's why, that's why company drivers have dispatchers. So you don't make those decisions. And in the last 90 days, I have booked some thousand dollar loads because, you know, we ended up, we took a great load, uh, that got, you know, went to God, Norfolk, you talk about a black hole. Um, you know, oh yes, Phil, sorry, Phil interrupted this. He talked about a Facebook post. 
how do I get out of my contract was a Facebook post in a bunch of groups posted anonymously. Of course, all these different groups, my whole Facebook feed is filled with how do I get out of my contract? And I'm going 1-800-872. Call in star. How'd you get in your contract? Yeah. Same phone number. Get you out. (laughs) Like, I don't know. There's a, the social scientists need to get involved here and explain to me about why people will be like, I could call Landstar and ask whatever department this question, but no, let me go on Facebook where I'm going to get lied well, to the, 87% of the time. This question got asked is just like the uh, departure announcement on the PA at an airport. Okay. Who gives a shit? <laughs> All right. If it's not your flight, who gives a shit? All right. right. So the only reason it's on there is so that somebody would say, well, you maybe, you know, we'll talk to you out of it. Why are you doing that? Well, here's another question. Uh, how much is Landstar's cut of the rate? Well, let's start with the fact that it's Landstar's rate, not mine. So my cut of Landstar's rate is 65% for the tractor, eight per seven to 8% for the trailer, depending on the trailer. So it's, it's, it's my cut of their rate, not, their cut of my rate. Let's make sure we start there. So, so let me ask you. So you started out with the money in your pocket and you had to give it back to Landstar, right? Is that right. How it works? <laughs> yeah, or no. wait a minute. So wait a minute. The customer paid Landstar and you got money after that, right? So you're, it, it's your percentage of the customer's rate. Is that what we're talking about here? Now, Poe, I, we're not trying to beat you up, but is my tongue in my tell, cheek? We, we, we have, we've had to, we've had to cover this ground a time or two. Um, I actually have a video on it, uh, called does Landstar take 35% of my money? Um, where I break all this down, land, it is not my money. My First money all, is that what's in the contract that nobody ever reads The I, you said ICOA mm-hmm. independent contractor operating agreement mm-hmm. on day one. I sign a document that says I'm going to get 65% of the rate, 65% of excess, certain accessories, hundred percent of other accessories and hundred percent of fuel surcharge. So my money, Oh yeah, there it is. It's 30 pages. There's, no, th- 30, there's 38 pages here. 39, 39 pages here that, that, that I, that answers every one of those contractual questions. And you signed it when you came to Landstar, but nobody's read one damn word of it. Oh boy. They take and, it 35. And the first thing they want to do is come here and change it after they just signed it. Why is Landstar doing that? Because it's in the contract. That's why. He says they're taking 35% of your business. No, they're not. No, they're not. We are exchanging. They're giving us 65% of their money. They're they're paying our truck 65%. And they're keeping 35%. Now. If we had a trailer, our trailer would get paid seven or eight percent of that thirty-five. The agent gets seven or eight of that thirty-five. So what Landstar's really taking is somewhere around eighteen to twenty percent. And for that, we get the best fuel, uh, the best uh, fuel prices in the market. Fuel we discount. get LCAP with the the best discounts for tires and things. We get all of the insurance paid for. The the best hazmat department on planet Earth. The best, in my opinion, the best permit department on planet Earth. Because if they say it, it's gospel. And when I roll into the scale house with the badged and gunned road pirates, um, here's my permit book. It's perfect. 
you know why it's perfect because there's a bunch of people doing jacksonville that made it perfect and i don't have to oh and by the way oh what'd you do with that picture of that oh, uh and, and you're leaving a the, bunch of, you're leaving a bunch of stuff out i know i'm you, i'm getting to the factoring the factoring i need that i need this picture let me get this picture up here um oh shoot it's gonna look it's gonna look dumb but um freight waves i can't put it up on the screen hundreds of small business truckers who used core fund capital to factor their accounts receivable are struggling to stay afloat after the company abruptly closed its doors um boy somebody could have told you that uh, over 122 episodes if you'd have listened um that's like payday loans you'd be better off to deal with strippers um <laughs> You know, go down to the strip club and get get them to factor your loads for you. Um, well, there's a whole new business concept there. <laughs> that thirty that thirty five percent of my money saves me a lot of headache because when I when we scan a document on Wednesday, we get paid on Friday. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> when we get we scan a document on Monday, we get paid on Wednesday. And all the drivers get paid on Friday. There's no question. Mm -hmm. There's no factoring. There's no giving away however many percentage points of our freight uh, or our rate to the factoring company, the snakes in these factoring companies that when they go broke, guess what? You're SOL. You're screwed. And all of those contracts that are going to unwind, guess who's going to be holding the toilet paper at the end of that one? You know, so all this, oh, they're taking, 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 taking. No, I'm the one taking. I'm the one taking from Landstar. Landstar doesn't take from me. I take from them. The uh, the, the the premise of your question, Poe, <clears throat> is that you come to Landstar and you get this freight that's yours, and you give Landstar thirty five of of your money because you took the freight, and and that's exactly the wrong. Um, that's ex that's exactly the wrong explanation of how Landstar works, and and when you come here and you understand by signing that thirty nine page agreement that for thirty five percent of the line haul, Landstar is going to provide these services for you, you know, and they're going to give you a trailer with no expense, and they're going to do all these other things. It's a trade off. If you had your own authority. Yes, you would get 100% of the revenue, but you would have to either do or pay for all those things. So at, when you come to Landstar, you understand that I'm sacrificing some of the revenue that the customer is paying to have this load hauled in exchange for someone else doing these things for me professionally that I don't have to do. It's just like using the payroll service, okay? Yeah, I can do it myself, but why? They can do it better and cheaper. I can't 100%. pay if I, I don't have, listen, I've, I've been in business for almost 50 years. Okay. we got 14 trucks. I don't have my own authority for a reason because yep. it is cheaper for me to pay 35% to Landstar than for me to go buy 14 trailers and to do the stuff that they do. So if that's the way you're, you know, you're either looking at this wrong or you're listening to people that don't understand what the hell they're talking about. And it's very typical talk about Landstar. Oh, Landstar. 
you know, it, 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 it's just a lack of education about what the situation is and what the, what the, what the benefits of that trade-off are, you know, I'm smart enough to understand that if I'm losing 35%, I'd be somewhere else. And there's not anywhere on this, on, in this, in this earth that I would have my fleet except Landstar. And I don't have Landstar blue glass tinted. Okay. I, I call them out when I need to call them out. I'll never win the truck because I'm too outspoken, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be anywhere else. Look, every market provides an opportunity. Okay. So when the market went up to the unprecedented highs that it did from really from 2017 up to about three months ago, it presented an opportunity. Now, in that case, it presented an opportunity for a lot of people to do some really dumb things, um, uh, take a lot of risk, but the money was so crazy that it would mask those bad decisions. Well, now the market is starting to present a different opportunity. And because uh, we, we've got part shortages, we've got, it's hard to find uh, qualified mechanics. It's hard to find parts, especially if you have the new trucks. Um, so here's an example of, this is Gentry and Sons Trucking on YouTube. Really nice guy. It's got pretty good content here. But if you look up here, it says back to work. Uh, I'm just GMC Astro cab over goes to work. Is this how we save the trucking industry? All right. This truck is ancient. It's like a seven. I'm trying to find a picture of it, but it is old. It is ridiculous. It's probably a 1980 some model, um, truck that he pulled out of the weeds and was able to secure a contract with freight that he won't specify for obvious reasons. But he's got all these old trucks and old trailers that he's been pulling out of the weeds. Because guess what? He can go to the junkyard and get parts to keep them running and has been able to secure contracts with companies walking in saying, well, I got this 1986 GMC. Um, it ain't going to break down because the semiconductors and the chips for it aren't out in the middle of the ocean. So... We may, we're seeing, here's a guy doing it. Now he, he has his own authority. He does a great job of explaining how that works. Um, but that's an example, Gentry and Sons Trucking. Y'all look him up and, and, and watch his stuff. It's very, very interesting. We're here at Landstar and somebody said, uh, will you guys retire at Landstar? Uh, well, he probably will. Um, I'm not sure Landstar will exist after the blockchain transformation, but who knows? Um, we're at Landstar one because we can run our business the way we want to run it. And they don't mess with us. We do it how we want to do it. Other people do it how they want to do it. And that's not a problem. Um, no, we're also here because we're at Landstar because we have the secret handshake and we have the magic freight. Come on, quit lying <laughs> to these people. Okay. We came, we, we came to Landstar as special VIPs. Right. All right. So we have an advantage over everybody else. Isn't that, I mean, that's the reason we're here, right? Right. Well, I mean, we didn't, also, we didn't come here like everybody else, did we? I mean, you get the same little card and the same little blue book and start out with nothing like everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Well, we're also here because this program is built to show people Landstar, you know, now we certainly could do the same thing that we're doing. If we were a company with our own authority and people learn how to do their own authority, we could still have a podcast and we could still have events and we could still have orientations and do everything that we do. But people come to us now because they want to know how to come to Landstar. So there's no reason. There's absolutely no reason for us to ever leave Landstar. Um, because, Number one, all of the metrics and all of the data and everything that's in the BSE 9000 says um, that we're profitable and our drivers are profitable and our partners are profitable and our fleet manager and dispatchers are all profitable. So why would we leave? There's nothing wrong with Landstar. Now, there could be something wrong with us at some point. You know, we could make bad decisions. We could, you know, but... Landstar is just a tent. That's all it is. It's just a structure that allows the agents to do their thing and us to do our thing. And the agents, some agents can do it this way. Some agents can do it that way. Some BCOs can do it this way. Some BCOs. And they're never going to say, oh, well, you know what? We really don't like how you're doing your accounting. They don't care. As long as we are compliant in safety and, and, and their policies and procedures, we don't hear from them. Uh, you want to hit this trailer one real quick before we go? Uh, he's just making a point that we would need to have more than four. I mean, just, no, no, just, no, no, this one. No, no. I oh, wish, yeah. I wish as a BCO, I could have the option to buy the company controlled trailer. I currently have instead, cause it's fairly new and compliant instead of trying to get a new great Dane trailer through Landstar. Okay. Well, Jim, uh, I'm sorry, James on average, uh, you know, I, I just took some rough and dirty numbers and said, the way we do things here, um, a truck should generate around $425,000 to $475,000 in gross revenue in a year's time. All right. So let's just go four fifty, and um, uh, And let's go to 0.08% of that. That's $36,000 that a trailer. If we were pulling a trailer generating that exact same amount of freight, we would generate $36,000, which is going to come down to somewhere probably between $650 and $750 a week in revenue to that trailer. All right. Well, that trailer is going to have to have maintenance. And if you're going to go buy a new Great Dane trailer, which what do you reckon that's going to cost, Larry, at this 50, in this market? $50,000. Okay. $50,000. Um. So you're going to have to pay the maintenance and the note on a $50,000 trailer. Let's just say you get a great deal and you get a $35,000 brand new van trailer or you buy one used. Um, unless you're paying cash for that trailer, you better go on back to that company controlled trailer that you have because you're only going to make at probably maximum $35,000 a year minus your maintenance, minus the cost of your financing, you're not going to make any money. And then if anything catastrophic happens with that trailer, you're really up a creek. Now we've done all the experiments. Larry did it back in the day. I did it on my own. There is no benefit. There's no, oh wait, there's no monetary benefit to having your own trailer versus doing dropping hooks. Um, it's all personal preference. 100%. Now, will you, take better care of your trailer than yeah, you will. 
you, you might have less breakdowns. Yeah, you probably will. But you're going to lose all the drop and hook opportunities. Um, so I would tell you that unless you are setting on a pile of money and you can go stroke a check for that new Great Dane trailer, you have absolutely no business buying a trailer. Now, if you want to go find yourself a nice quality used, which should be eight to $12,000, but now they're probably 25, um, a nice used 53 foot drive in with air ride, um, that you could, you know, in a normal market should be able to get into it for 10,000 and pay cash for it. Well then, yeah, hell now you're making money. But buying a new game, great Dane trailer, just 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 go ahead and point the the end of the thing towards your temple and pull the trigger. Well, the, the biggest thing, unless you're running dedicated freight, is is the loss of the the drop and hook freight. I mean, we we probably do fifty percent drop and hook freight. Oh, you yeah. know, so why it's would you want a good contract freight too? Why would you want to limit yourself and take half the loads off the low board? Uh, just to pull the same wagon all the time. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I know everybody complains because they get that one every once in a while with a tire blown, you know, but uh, again, we remember the exceptions. We don't remember the rules. And, um, we, we've, we've done the study now more than once. And in our situation, we lose money with a, with a trailer because we can't do drop and hook free. And, uh, that alone is, um, and trailers have maintenance. Okay. They're, they're, they, they depreciate. And they have maintenance. Like a rock. <clears throat> and like I say, it keeps you from being able to uh, look at half the freight on the front on the labor. So um, we've had several air conditioning problems with shops in the last two or three weeks. Um, so I've got an announcement for next week's podcast. Um, mm. People might not realize this, but I am an ASE certified air conditioning technician back in the day, not in a truck, but in a car, but they're both the same. So I am going to do a little basic theory and mm. teach air conditioning theory next week so that you understand how it works and you can better be equipped to handle the guy with his name, his name right here <laughs> and where he works right here. Yeah. So that, on days he can't figure out how to get to work and what his name is, you can tell him how to fix your air conditioner. Okay. I like this a lot. So, um, we're going to have a little, little, little basic air conditioning theory. And, uh, they're all the same. The one in your house is the same. The one in your car is the same. The one in the truck's the same. They all work the way, same way, all the same major components. And we're going to talk to you about how it works, how to diagnose it, how to keep somebody from ripping you off because they know less about it because they busted a tire before you came in. They're going to drain oil after you leave. They're dependent upon that machine they hook it up to, to tell them what to do. And they don't know what the machine's telling them. So we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, teach you a little bit about that next week. So <clears throat> that is a fantastic topic that we def definitely need to cover. Well, I believe we've gone through all the comments. We've done an hour and 42 minutes. I think we've done all the damage we can do for one day. Um, everybody check out the website. If you, we do still have a truck or two available. Uh, if you're interested, hit us up. We will set up an interview and talk to you. Um, still have a couple of slots uh, in the mentoring program. Um, so if you are a BCO and you would like some uh, 
some help addressing all of this stuff that we've talked about tonight. Um, getting your house in order. If you really, if you really want, um, if you really want to, to have that second truck, um, and be successful, then there's some stuff you got to have in place and give us a call because we can help you get all that set up so that your second truck doesn't turn into a nightmare, which it very easily could. You have we, can help you keeping your, we can help you keep your first truck from turning into a nightmare. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to have that done too. Uh, remember Pittsburgh power is our sponsor. Uh, we are a dealer uh, distributor for OPS and max mileage. We do have inventory now. So um, if we can supply you with any of that, go to our website, our store there, and Chris will ship it out to you the next day, maybe same day. So uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate you being a um, customer of Pittsburgh Power. And be sure and let them know that uh, you saw it on this podcast. So they'll continue to do this for us. Um, and uh, I guess other than that, we'll see you next week, right? Yep. We're good. Everybody uh, be cool, be safe. We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody.